What do you think it looks like to live uh, a life that really matters? To have something that you have a strong belief system in and to work towards that throughout your life. Make a difference in somebody else's life. Um, you know, know that you've helped somebody along the way. Really pouring into the people around you um, makes a life that really matters. To live a life where you achieve your own goals and one where you're happy. Not, uh, not necessarily to make other people happy, but just to make yourself happy. You feel like you're making a difference in people's lives and you're loving others the way that Jesus loved us. I think if you put your faith in, you know, in Him, everything turns out great. Living a life that has an effect on somebody else, not just for yourself. That you're really happy with what you're doing and uh, that everything that you want to do, you're doing. to have you guys here with us this weekend and uh, we're um, we, we're in the middle of a great series in fact this is the last weekend of a fantastic series that we have big questions honest answers and uh, if you have not uh, seen any of the other ones if this is your first week we're so glad you're here but I'd encourage you to go back and check them out we've been talking about success and about where where we can find true satisfaction what happens when we really mess up in life or when life falls apart we've been talking about all those big questions where we feel like, man, if we could just get some clarity on those, it wouldn't just affect our, our big decisions, it would affect our day-to-day our -day decisions. We might actually change kind of the course and the direction of our life. And today we're talking about one that I have been fired up about since we talked about this series in planning. And that is this, how can I live a life that really matters? I think even as a kid, I mean, I was kind of just obsessed with this idea. I mean, I'd be the kid on the teams that just went, you know, just poured my guts into it. You know, I would be diving on the floor on the soccer field. I'd be running as hard as I could. I just felt like, man, I want to play my part in a way that really matters. I really want to have a significant impact on this team. I grew up a little bit. I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I could be a doctor when I grew up. That, I mean, that would be a life that really matters. And so I studied hard in school when I thought that will be it. And I got a little bit older, I thought, you know what, maybe I could have a family. Maybe I could get me a nice wife, you know, and some children. That would be great, you know, and that would be really uh, where a life that really matters. You know, and I, I think I would even watch some of these uh, big blockbuster movies. You watch like a Braveheart and you see Mel Gibson, he's got that face paint on. I don't know where he got that blue face paint back then, but he got it somewhere and he put it on his face. He's got that gigantic sword and he's leading people, freedom! And you go, man, I want to be like that guy. I want to have like a life that matters that I helped a country get out from oppression or something like that. I want to do that. Or we watch these superhero movies, right? We watch Superman. How many, how many times are we going to remake that movie? But I guess we love the story, not the Clark Kent stuff. But we like the guy who, you know, he, he puts on his cape and his boots and he puts his Speedo on. Maybe we don't like that part. But, we, you know, we, we want to be that guy who flies around and helps people and shows up at just in the nick of time. And that guy's life really matters. You know, we don't want to be the assistant to the evil person. That guy's a putz. We don't want to care. We don't care about him. We care about the guy that's making the difference, you know? We don't want to just kind of get to the other side of life. We want to make life really count. And so I think we're on some level, we're kind of all asking that question. How can I make my life really matter? How can I make a significant difference? You know, I don't want to just survive life. I don't want to just get to the end of it. I want it to count. So I think although at times we might be a, a, a kind of... Um, 
uh, tempted to think, oh, if I just accumulate enough stuff or if I accumulate enough money, well, then that's going to make a life that matter. But we all kind of know that's not really where uh, life really is, or that's not where it's going to matter, right? That's not going to be it. Nobody on the video said that, and we, they, we all kind of figured that out, but we do get drawn to things like our job. Maybe that's how I can make a difference. That's how I can make my mark in this world. I'll, I'll create something, you know, or I'll, I'll produce something that'll be incredible or make a, a great change in this world, or I'll be a part of a team that does something great. I'll bring about change. Some way I can leave something behind, or some of us are maybe a little more relationally uh, oriented, and we think, man, if I can just really connect with people, or maybe if I could uh, just grow a huge network of friends, or, or maybe if I could just pour into a few family members, or my children, or something like that, that's where I can really make my impact. That's where I can really have a life that matters. And I think that we're actually wired to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We, we're created that way, to want to leave our mark, to, to make our difference. To, we want to kind of be uh, a part of where we outlive our lives, where we leave that legacy. That's what we're drawn to. That when we get to the end of our lives, we will be able to look back and say, yeah, my life really mattered. It, it, it was significant. Some of the things I did, I really made some choices that really mattered. That we're not left asking those questions of like, have I done enough? Did I do anything of significance? Well, today I'm going to tell you the story of two men. And uh, they have uh, strikingly different lives, but somewhere along the way, they figured out how to live a life that really mattered. And when I say stories, and then I'm going to tell you a couple stories, just so you know, they, these actually happened. These were real people, real men who uh, lived at a real time in a real place in this world. Uh, but they, I'm going to tell you their stories, just like you have a story and I have a story. I'm going to share, you, share with you their stories. And the first one is of David. And during this series, we've talked a lot about David, about who he is and what his life has looked like. And I think, you know, if we began to kind of put his resume down, we'd go, man, there's no way this guy would have trouble saying that he's had a life that really matters. It starts when he's just a young boy. He's a, he's a shepherd boy, right? And somehow the, the soldiers in the army that he's kind of on, on his team, they're kind of at a standstill. And so they call David out there somehow, or he wanders out on the field, and he takes this little sling, and no one will face this giant, but he is willing to do it. And he gets his sling going, and he throws the rock, and he defeats the giant Goliath. And you kind of think, man, if it stopped there, that'd be okay, because... That was really incredible. That was a life that really mattered, but it didn't stop there. It went on from there, and he became not just a good soldier in the army, not even just a great soldier, but perhaps the greatest soldier to ever live. When they talked about David and, uh, around the country, they didn't say, yeah, David's been great. He killed his tens. They said not just his dozens or his hundreds, but he killed his tens of thousands, that he was such an impressive soldier that he, um, he killed tens of thousands of people. And you go, man, to, have a, to be a soldier like that, I mean, that was a life that really matters. So to defend your country the way you did, to, to take over lands the way you did, that's incredible. But it didn't stop there for David. David became a great king. And um, he, he, uh, while he was there, he, the kingdom expanded, and people were happy under uh, his rule, under his leadership. And you kind of go, man, he has such impact over all these people and, their, and the way they live their life. Man, that's that's really a life that really matters. But what's kind of interesting is that as David looks back over his life, he actually doesn't tell of these stories when he talks about his life that really matters. 
he actually tells a very different story. So if you've got your Bible today, we're going to look at Psalm 40. And Psalm 40 was told at the end of his life after he was on the run from Absalom, who had gotten run out of the city uh, that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. This is at the end of his life. He's kind of taking stock. And listen to the emphasis that he has. Psalm 40 starts at the first verse. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Now I know what you're thinking. David ripped off Bono. I know that's what you're thinking, but we're not going to get into plagiarism today. We're going to talk about something else, so we're going to move on. So on verse 5, it says this, Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. David knows the story. David knows the story. God heard my cry. And he, and he came and he pulled me from the mud and the slime of my life when I was full of selfishness and pride and greed. And he lifted me out of the pit. And he set my feet on a rock. At the same time, when I was out of control, when I was doing my own thing, that's when he came to my rescue. And he put my feet on a rock and he put me set in a new direction. And he put a new song in my mouth and a new story to my life. That's, that's the story. It's not David's story, and it's not the Christian story. It's actually God's story for God's glory, not David's glory. Have you ever had that experience in your life where nothing really felt life right, where you felt kind of out of control, and then God lifted you up, or maybe he stabilized you. He put you in a new direction. You put a new uh, song in your mouth. Well, that's what David's talking about. And this is David's response. After God's transforming work in his life, this is God, David's response. Verse 9, he says, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Then David's response is just to tell others to tell God's story to everyone he can find. He cannot be contained. In fact, if you go back or if you've been reading along with the Psalms, you notice that he wrote almost the entire book of Psalms. And they're all about God's goodness. They're all about God's story and his faithfulness in David's life. And so um, that's the, the beginning of, uh, of the first story, right? Where you see uh, a changed life and a life who's ready to tell the story. And if you've got your Bible, you can turn over to John 9, and I want to look at the other guy's story. Now, his, his story is totally opposite. It couldn't be more opposite than David's story. But somehow, somewhere along the way, they both figured this out, how to have a life that really mattered. And there's some similarities, so I want you guys to try and figure out the similarities here. This is the one of the story of the man born blind. Now, um, from the very start, doors were closed to him immediately. He didn't have the same kind of opportunities that everybody else did because he was blind. And in this culture specifically, he would just be um, relegated really to, to beg just for his survival. So what's it going to look like for this guy to live a life that really matters? Well, it starts uh, like this. 
Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, his best buds, and they're hanging out, and they're walking into a town. And this is where it starts in John 9. It says, as he went along, he saw a man uh, blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this was a pretty common perspective in that, uh, that day and time, but actually pretty common here. That if we see uh, God as the, uh, as the ultimate punisher, that if certainly something is wrong in that person's life, it's because God has punished them. But if this were true, if we carry this logic out, the truth is we'd probably be a lot more of us uh, in, uh, in the market for a seeing eye dog. I'd be the first one in line because I'm pretty screwed up. And so this, this is not uh, really accurate. So Jesus goes on to respond to this kind of interesting question. He says in verse 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Man, I love this answer. Jesus always seems like he's got just the right answer. He says this is not specifically because of him or his parents' sin. This is, happens generally because the world is broken. When sin entered the world, God's perfect design was broken, right? And sin affects every part of creation. It, it leads to brokenness and distortion in every part of our lives. It leads to physical blindness and emotional blindness and spiritual blindness. And this blindness affects uh, every part of the world, every part of creation. But, but God is in the business of redeeming broken things. He's in the business of bringing life from death, from uh, bringing light from darkness. He's in the business of healing. So let's see Jesus' response to this man's brokenness. He says, after saying this, he spit on the ground, he made some mud with the saliva, and then he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now I want to be the first one to say what you're thinking, which is, Seriously, Jesus? Like this was the plan? I mean, it's kind of gross. I mean, kind of disgusting even. I mean, it sounds a lot more like a dare than a miracle. You know, maybe Peter was saying, hey, listen, Jesus, I dare you to go over there and spit on the ground and then put it on that blind guy's eyes. You can act like it's a miracle. This will be hilarious. You can pull it off, Jesus. And really the miracle of this whole thing is potentially that the blind guy, when he put the mud on his eyes, then punched Jesus in the throat. I mean, that might be the biggest miracle of this whole thing. Yeah, but I have, um, I have like the same Bible that you guys have, so I don't know why he did this. I don't have any like special pastor notes or anything like that. I just read it just like you guys do. And sometimes I go, I don't know exactly why he did that. I'm kind of surprised by things in the Bible too. But I do like this part of it. I like that Jesus did the healing and then he asked him to kind of step out in faith. He said, just trust me, and you go wash in the pool of Siloam. Then, then you'll see the healing. I wonder if there's something in there for us. I think that God loves it when we trust him. That he is uh, probably more active in our lives than we ever really uh, notice. But he wants us to trust him. He says, I'm going to lead you into something new. So I don't know exactly why he did it that way. Maybe he was just trying something new, but I do like that there was some step of faith for that guy. But this is what we've come to expect from Jesus. I mean, he's the guy that heals people. I mean, he does it with the greatest of ease. You know, he'll come up to the paralyzed guy and he'll just say, 
stand up and walk. And then the guy just walks off. Or he'll see the leper, the guy that has the crazy skin disorder, and he'll touch the guy, and he hasn't been touched in years. And then the leprosy goes away. Well, this is what we've come to expect from Jesus. And if you were by yourself, or maybe sitting in a coffee shop reading this, you might just read right by these sentences and go on to the next ones. But let me just make sure we all know what really happened here. This, uh, this is a guy who's never, ever seen light. He, he's never seen his family. He's uh, certainly never laid eyes on Jesus. He's never seen God's creation. He, he's never seen trees or the stars or the sun or the moon or rabbits or animals. I mean, he's never seen any of that stuff. He's been stumbling around, running into things, a pretty confused life. I mean, imagine how frustrating it must have been for him to walk through his life. I mean, they didn't have all the, the conveniences. They didn't have everything that, was, uh, that we take for granted these days. I mean, how frustrating. I mean, how many days did he wake up thinking, man, I just got dealt a really raw deal in life. Probably feeling pretty directionless, pretty purposeless. In that culture, I mean, he would be considered pretty useless. Again, just relegated to beg for survival. But now, on that day, he could see his eyes began to work. I mean, this is more than a game changer. I mean, he's playing a totally different game. He, this is not just a, a, a better or a slightly better life for him. I mean, it is going to be radically different. I mean, the new life is not going to look anything like his old life did. Have you ever gotten to a place where you feel like life's not all it's cracked up to be? You ever woke up in the morning and thought, man, I feel like I kind of got dealt a raw deal in this thing. Well, Jesus wants to enter in to your life right where you are, right on that day. And he wants to make life-altering, game-changing changes in your life. God's into redeeming broken stuff. He's into bringing healing, into bringing restoration. He's into healing busted up lives like yours and mine. That's the business he's in. And we could stop here and this would be go, man, that was an incredible story where Jesus healed that guy with the mud and he didn't get punched in the throat. That was awesome. But um, uh, there's more to it than that. He, after this, the blind guy, he starts going out and living his own life, and he's kind of skipping around, and he's whistling a happy tune because his life is totally transformed. And people begin to take notice. Hey, wait a second. Isn't that the guy who was at the gate and doing the thing? And what? what wait a second. And it says in, uh, in, in verse 8, it says, His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he him, himself insisted, I am the man. Wait, wait a second. That's, it can't be that's how he said it. <laughs> he just said, I'm the man. That's me. You got it right. How then, um, how then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. And so when I went and washed, then I could see. He said, man, there was this dude, Jesus. I never met him before, but he came up and he spit on the ground, put mud on my eyes, and I washed and I didn't punch him in the throat. And I was so happy because then after that, I could see. I was so happy and my life is different now. And I love that this guy's first response is really to just tell the story, tell God's story. 
I love that. He runs into his neighbors. He runs into his friends. He starts telling the story of what happened to him. And this was his natural response to his encounter with Jesus. Do you remember when you first began your relationship with Jesus? You know, maybe when you started walking around, people started going, hey, wait a second, you, your life looks kind of different. And I'm not sure I like it. Well, what happened to the old Chris? The old Chris, you know, that would do this thing or would do that. You don't even do that anymore. What happened? I mean, you got to get even some pushback from your friends and from your family, people who didn't really understand what had happened to you. Well, that's kind of what happened to this guy. And what's interesting from here is that um, they doubt his story so much that they actually take him to kind of some of the, the local officials. And uh, the Pharisees of that day, some of the religious leaders, that if they have these big questions, they take people to them. And they take them to him, and uh, they, they kind of question him, and he simply kind of, he just gives them the facts. But they weren't fully satisfied with that, so they brought him back, and they questioned him again. And in fact, they tried to discredit Jesus. They said, man, don't, you cannot trust Jesus. You can't trust that guy. He's a sinner. You know, haven't you seen, he's been hanging out with all the sinners, you know, and there was that day he went to the wedding, and he made wine out of water. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that guy is a real sinner. You cannot trust that guy. Has this ever happened to you? You ever feel like you start talking about church or what's going on in your life or uh, maybe something that you've read in the Bible and someone starts kind of trying to discredit your faith, trying to discredit your God or your experience? Well, let's see what this guy says as they begin to try and discredit he says, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. God, I love that. All I know, here's the facts. All I know is that I was going on this way in life and now I'm going on this way. All I know, I was blind and now I can see. And the rest of the story is really incredible. You go back, and he actually goes back and finds Jesus. And he sees Jesus for the first time, and they probably hug it out. You know, they're so excited. And he gives them great thanks. And then he says, I want to follow you. And he puts his faith. He believes in Jesus, and he begins to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's really an incredible story. So what's the, what's the similarity between this blind guy and David? Well, both of them figured it out. Uh, whether you have a lot or a little, whether you've been dealt all aces or whether you've got the old maid in your hand, it, here's the deal. A life that matters is one where we allow God to change us and we allow God to tell his story through us. That's a life that really matters where we allow God to move more and more and more in our life, to uh, sand down those rough edges, uh, to work out our attitudes and our perspectives on things, to help us to love others better, and then to lead us in to telling his story about his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives. That story that's been changing lives for generations and generations. So what does it look like for us to live a life that really matters? Well, I think it starts when we allow God to change us. It starts with us having a story with Christ, a story where we're connected to Christ, a story where our life changes and where we have a, a memory and an understanding of where we were going, what our life was like before we knew God. 
I remember what my life looked like before Christ. Man, I was wholly committed to making sure that everything looked like I had it all together on the outside. I, I was not just a, a man living a double life. I was like a chameleon. I mean, it didn't matter who I was hanging out with, uh, people at church or people on the party crowd or people uh, in different classes in my life. I thought, man, I, as long as I can make sure they all think I've got it all together. And then beyond that, I was so judgmental, so prideful, so full of myself. You know, I would, I would judge the church crowd for not partying and judge the party crowd for not going to church. I mean, I was so hypocritical, so, uh, uh, so judgmental. And I remember when Jesus reached down and pulled me out of that. He put me up, and my life has never been the same since. I was 16 years old, and I didn't know everything that had happened to me. I just know that something had changed inside of me. And a year later, I got to go uh, to Australia on this mission trip. I don't know why they chose me, but I got to go. And in there, God began to do considerable work in my life. He began to teach me uh, about faith. He, he surrounded me with all these incredible men and women of faith. And he um, began to teach me about what it looks like to really give my life away, to really serve other people and what joy comes from that. He began to break down and tear down these walls in my life that I had and I was, as I judged and had all this pride in my life. And he began to kind of uh, unify my life from being this chameleon, this double life guy to being uh, one person. I remember him kind of speaking these words over me where he says, I just love you just the way you are. You don't have to go out and be anyone special. You don't have to go out and seek for the approval somewhere else. Just be who I created you to be. And in my life, it wasn't even just a one-time event. It's continued to happen. It's been this ongoing process as God has continued to, to transform me and change me and change every area of my life, in my relationships and in my marriage, with my kids and uh, in my finances and in my selfishness. He has just continued to work and work and work in my life and patiently change me. Jesus, uh, a few chapters later in that same book of John, would speak about that connection to him this same way. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. To have a life that really matters, we've got to be connected to Christ. So the question is, are, are, you, are you connected to Christ? Maybe you've been coming here for a while and kind of hearing about God and a God who can heal and restore in surprising ways, but maybe never been willing to make that commitment. Well, just so you know, all of our story begins like this. God is crazy about us. He's crazy about you, and we were designed to be in relationship with him, and anything else, anything else is going to leave us disappointed and dissatisfied. And um, our story, part of our story also goes like this. We're all sinners. We're all messed up. We're all screwed up. We've all missed the mark. We've all gone our own way. We've all said, I'm going to write my own story, God. I don't even need you. And then the story goes like this. Christ invites us to turn from that life that was lived apart from him and to follow him, to begin relationship with him. He wants to, uh, uh, to bring him into his team. He wants to adopt us into his family. And that same Jesus that had the ability to heal that blind man that day 
has the ability to, uh, to, to change us, to heal us. And that same Jesus died on a cross for us, to pay the penalty for us so that we can be in a relationship with him. So maybe today's your day. Maybe, maybe today's your day like, my, like it was me 22 years ago where God is whispering to you, I, I just love you just the way you are. And I just want you to be just who I created you to be in relationship with me. Well, if you're here and you're already a Christ follower, is there something that God has been whispering to you? Is he trying to get your attention to give up something or to, to start something or to do something you've never done before? Is he trying to nudge you to do something and you're just not listening? Well, what's keeping you from acting on those nudges? It might be time. Maybe today's your day for that. Well, to live a life that really matters, we've got to allow God to change us. And we need to allow God to tell his story through our lives. Now, I'm not asking you to be Billy Graham or Mike Lee or some crazy televangelist. I'm just telling you to be ready to tell your story. And then take those chances when they come. Because here's the deal. There are just hundreds and thousands of broken and hurting people all around us. Uh, they don't know God, and they have all these misconceptions of who he is. They don't understand how incredibly loved they are by him. They didn't realize that they were designed to be in relationship with him. So they're looking for life and love in all these places. They're hurting. They... Um, Oftentimes they feel unlovable because of something maybe a parent or uh, an adult has said in their life. Or many times they're abused and they're beat down physically and emotionally by this world. They've, uh, they don't feel worthy of your love or God's love or anybody else's. And, and sometimes they've sought after life everywhere, but they're still searching for the real answer. And they're everywhere. I mean, and they look just like you and me. Uh, they live next door to you. They live across the street. They, they work in that cubicle, the one by the bathroom. That's them. They, they, they're in your Spanish class. They, they, um, they eat at the same pizza restaurant. They're on the soccer team. They're all around us. And you, you are a gospel story. You may be the thing that God wants to use to get their attention to tell his story so that they might begin a relationship with Christ. And you have that story to tell. And it goes a little something like this. All I know was that I was hurting. I was broken. I was going down a road that was leading to destruction. I had, did not have it together. I was out of control. I thought I had it together, but I really didn't. I was looking for love everywhere else. And then, and now I, now I know, now I can see, now I know what life is all about. Now I have purpose and direction. God's put a new song in my mouth. God's put me in a, a new way. What is it that God is doing in your life? What has he done in your life? What is he sharing with you? Where do you see him working in your life? All I know is, and now, now I've got this. There is incredible power in our stories. Our personal stories of how God has rescued us and pulled us out of the pit are incredibly compelling. And here's what happens when we, uh, when we tell our stories. 
we see God change lives before our very eyes. God uses our very simple stories to begin to plant seeds in people's lives, to begin to change their perspective on who they are and maybe who God is. They begin to see him in a new light. And we all have the story of being blind and now able to see. So here's what I want you to do. I just want you to identify one person, one person that you would intentionally reach out to over the next few months. And in this, I want it to be someone who's unchurched, who's kind of struggling, who's kind of wandering around. Or maybe they look like they've got it all together, but you know, you know that they're really searching for life. I want you to kind of identify that one person and then look for your opportunities. Begin to um, build a relationship with them. That, begin to build a relationship with them. That's where it starts, okay? You, you know, maybe you just need to walk across the street or you need to walk over to that cubicle or you need to walk across the aisle, across the classroom. You need to walk across the, the pizza shop. You need to ask them, hey, let's grab coffee or hey, let's uh, go on a play date or let's grab a movie together. Let's get together. And you begin to build that relationship with them. And then, then I want you to pray for an opportunity to share your story, to share God's story in your life. You see, God might want to use you to change a life. <clears throat> and it could look something like this. Watch the side screens.
You know, all those stories, God used different people in those people's lives to help write those stories. And God could have chosen any number of things uh, to express his love, to communicate his love to this world. But for some reason, he chose us. We're plan A. And it's really the greatest privilege of our life that we get to be a part of his team. We get to be a part of communicating his story in this world. He wants to use us to change the world. Uh, Let that sink in for a minute. God wants to use us to change the world. That's his plan. So a life that really matters, a life of significance, a life that's part of the big story is a life that that one that allows God to change their life and then allows God to tell his story through their life. So let's get after it. Let's share our story. Let's share his story, the story of an incredibly loving, amazing God. Let's pray together. God, it's just incredible to watch those, uh, those stories. And we know that um, at, at times it was hard, those front sides of those, uh, of those chalkboards. Life was so difficult. I, I can just see some of the, the pain in hearing those stories and just even thinking where they were and to know that that's, that's where you entered in. That's where you entered into the and now part and you reached down and you picked them up and you set their feet uh, in a new direction you gave them a new song you redeemed and you restored and you healed and that's what you just want for everyone in here that's what you want for everybody in the world so God we're honored that you would be uh, uh, open to us being a part of your team that you would want to use us as broken and as messed up as we are that you wouldn't have some other plan but God give us the courage give us the courage that bring that one person to mind or maybe there's two people to our mind that person that sits across from us or that is on that soccer team or on that sideline or in our neighborhood that you would have us pursue and build a relationship with that we might have the opportunity to tell our story that we might be able to tell our story and bring you glory God, give us the courage uh, to go out and, and step out in faith that you might do something incredible, that you might use us to change the world. God, we love you. Thank you for the way that you are, the way that you desire to change us and move in us. Use us, we pray, in any way. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 